PCC, what is going on today? I'm Elijah. I'm Ellis. I'm Mark. Mark, yep. what's up? Hey, man. There are three of us now. That's crazy. Yeah. Right here. It's, it's getting bigger little, in here. A little tight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, what's that? That's okay. Hey, these guys have been doing our hype for a long time, and, and I just love what you guys do. You, Thank you. You always bring so much energy, and you know, sitting there with my cup of coffee, watching online every Sunday, and you guys just make me feel good. So... Thank you guys. I for appreciate, you appreciate that. it. Thanks, I'll give man. you your twenty dollars when we're that. done. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was twenty five, but that's... oh well. Okay, we'll talk about it. We're super glad that you're here. Uh, as we said, um, this is Passion Community Church. I'm Elijah Shirelli, uh, one of the pastors here, and we're just super excited that you decided to join us. If you want to fill out a welcome card at any time, this is the best way to let us know how we can uh, serve you, how we can pray for you. Any of that, you just fill it out. There should be a link in your chat several times throughout the service today. If you're watching on phone, your chat is below you. If you're on the computer, it's over there next to Mark, and uh, you can find it anytime. You can also pray with us, do anything. Mark will actually be there to, yeah. to just talk to you and, and do whatever. So yeah, whatever so, hey, you, you know, need. We love it. If, you're, if you aren't signed in to the chat, you can do that now. You just have to leave where you are, log out, log back in, and then log into the chat. Yeah. That way, you can see what's happening. We, we're, we'll put uh, some things in there that will help you. Uh, the links will show up in the chat. So you're missing out if you're not in the chat. So come on in. Jump in the pool with us. In a few minutes, nice. though. Don't, yeah. don't leave. Just nice. in a few minutes. Okay? Nice. We're not done here. Jump yeah. in the pool, though, was a good segue. That was good. Yeah. It was good. Because it's on the water. We're hey, finishing right. our On the Water series today. It's September. It's September, y'all. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh. Mind blown. Oh September. My. So a lot of things are, like, happening hmm. right now, this week. One that we got to mention. Well, several that we're going to mention. But the first <laughs> one I need to mention. Do it. Tell them. Tell them. What's up? Tanner Iglia is bringing the message today. Man. Oh, my crazy. gosh. Crazy. I hope you're excited for that. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I've had the uh, privilege of hearing it, and it's, it's really good. It's going to be really helpful. Uh, but that's, you know, that's not the only thing. Because this this week, in just a couple days, the the good Dr. Reverend Brian C. Hughes makes his return. And his better half, Susan Here's, Hughes. That's who we're really excited makes, about. Yeah, really, I, we had to say Brian, but, you know, Brian can stay. And Susan can come back. All right, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're excited that they're both coming back. It's going to be awesome. It's going to feel like sort of a return. And Brian, if you know Brian... He's gonna have a lot to say, so it's gonna be it's gonna be sweet. We're really excited to hear what God's been telling him on his time off, and uh, I know he'll do this. But we're just super grateful that that you and everyone else had made it possible for him to take that time. We're better when leaders get better. We're better when our senior leader gets better, mm-hmm. which is him. So you know, we talked about rest the other week, and yeah. Yeah, rest is important. And and a senior pastor job is really stressful. I mean, it's I don't think anybody can really appreciate what happens in that sure. role, yeah. especially a church of this size. And so the fact that uh, we were able to allow him to have this time off is, is great. And the staff here has done a great job holding things together. So thank you for allowing him to have that time off. And when he comes back, we'll just all be so grateful and glad. It'll be awesome. I was just saying, Tanner's thing, yes. first, first time today, right? Yeah. First right. time yep. speaking. Mm-hmm. Right, we've seen Tanner sing, right? Yes. And he's like... Mr. Energy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we seen him play drums, right? And he's like, I'm a beast yeah, yeah. back here, right? So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. I've never seen him speak before. So yeah. does he, like, get I will all say, crazy? He yeah. still has the active hands. Yes. I don't know that he does the jumping in place not yet. or any of that. Not yet? <laughs> yeah, not yeah. yet. He might, maybe he'll do it today. Who knows? Just depends on what happens. Yeah. But he, he is very animated, and I think you'll, you'll still see that. We also have baptism mm, coming yes. up. 
next weekend, a week from today, the all-campus baptism. It's in Goochland County, Virginia, at a place called Westview on the James. If you're, like, in the area, then you ought to attend. But even more than that, if you've been considering baptism, like, we, you can still be a part of being baptized at this baptism. Again, I know this is the online campus, so... We have three people from our online campus being baptized that Sunday. There you go. Wow. Uh, one, two, three. Bam. But if you're somewhere else and can't get to a baptism locally here in Virginia, let me know. We're yeah. going to figure it out. We'll, we'll yeah. figure it out. I'll, I'll fly. Maybe I'll fly to your your country. If you live in Switzerland, I'm coming. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, uh, hey, you know, we'll work out something. But don't let that decision go by unchecked just because you're watching online doesn't mean you can't participate in something like baptism. So let us know that. Yeah, absolutely. But if you're if you're one of those who's just you you live in this area, but you're just watching because it's you couldn't make it to a physical location today, try and make it out to the baptism next week. Um, it is going to be it is going to be uh, spectacular. Yeah, we can say a lot day. about it, but it is an amazing. Day. So and, always a special day. And so. you'll see a little bit about what that looks like. In this service, just saying, it's a little prequel, Ooh, just a little prequel I'm to what intrigued. you're what you're going to see coming up. Wow, wow! I mean, we're going to kick off the service wow. <laughs> with something you might see like that. Yeah, so check it out. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be. awesome. It's my favorite time of year. It's the Super Bowl of what we do. When somebody yeah. gives their life to Jesus and goes public with their faith, that's that's nothing better for me as a, a fellow Christian. I mean, we love seeing people do that and being part of that, um, being obedient to Christ. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And Jesus wins the Super Bowl every year. Every Big year. Facts. I mean, it's, you know, it's... More, more than Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, which is hard to believe. But he wins every year. So, you know, it is what it is. Hey, we are super excited that you decided to join us for worship today. It's going to be an amazing day. We just pray that God would speak to you. But more than that, that you have the ears to hear it, the eyes to see it, and the courage to follow after it. God, we believe is in the midst of everything that we do, not because of us, but because he promised to be with us when we gather in his name. And here we are. Yep. Whether we're on the different side of the screen or not, we're together, we're worshiping together. So we believe wholeheartedly that Jesus is with us, is with you. And so we just, our prayer is that you would hear from him and that as it often goes, as you have an encounter with him, your life has changed. So super grateful that you're here. Um, Let's worship, y'all. It's time. Yeah. It's time. It I'm is ready. time. Let's do this on the water. We'll see you in there. <laughs> At PCC, we take Jesus seriously. When he said, love God with all your heart, we think he actually meant it. So, we do. about God from passionate teachers. We make worship and studying the Bible a daily part of our lives. We wrestle with Scripture together and on our own. And we go wherever He leads us to help others do the same thing. Jesus also said, love your neighbor as yourself. And we think He meant that too. So we spend time together because we think relationships matter. We offer help when it's needed. We live generously. 
we give sacrificially. And we welcome everybody. We take Jesus seriously, but not ourselves. We're the least likely people with the most amazing God and a passionate vision to love God and to love others. To reach people who don't go to church so that we can all know God, discover purpose, get real, make a difference, and be the change. so glad you are here today. Welcome to church.
in the water at our September baptism three years ago, and I can't wait for next week's baptism and seeing all the people who are going public with their faith in Jesus. If you're in the Central Virginia area, then check out the website for details and come join us for the celebration. I'm Ellis Hobson, student coordinator at the Powhatan campus of PCC. And I'm Mark Tapscott, and I get to be your pastor here at the online campus. So thanks so much for doing church with me today, and I'd love to know that you're here and how I can help. So take a minute and submit a welcome card, and I'll be in touch by email. Well, it's Labor Day weekend, and that signals the end of summer. Yes. Just like that, it's over. Absolutely. So next week, we begin a new season in our year, a new semester of small groups, and a new series here at church. Our senior pastor, Brian Hughes, returns next week to kick off a new series called Give and Take. It's about all the things that God wants for us and what God wants from us. Now, to get the most out of this series... Join a small group. It's not too late. So sign up on the website, find your people, then spend the next few weeks gathering with some others to discuss this church experience and how it relates to your daily life. You know, my, my daily life has changed because of how God has worked through this church. I got baptized here. I found my people here. I get to do church with my best friends and the woman who will soon be my wife. And trust me when I say that your investment in what God's doing here matters. Now, Ellis is just one of many people who've come to know God here at PCC. And on behalf of him and everyone who has been baptized at PCC and who will leave it in the water next week, thank you. Thank you for being generous with your life. That faithfulness to Jesus will change your life, and it's changing lives all around you. You can be part of it by giving right now on our website. Would you pray with us? God, we're so grateful for the ways we get to see you move and the lives that you change. God, I'm grateful for the change that you've made in my life and that we're able to see that change in so many others around us. So God, as we get ready to experience the rest of this service and we get ready for baptism next week, help us to see it with our eyes wide open, all the change around us and help us to praise you for it. God, we thank you, we love you and it's in your name that we pray, amen. Amen. Now let's continue worshiping God, the God who's always with us no matter what's happening in our lives. We're so grateful for his goodness and mercy, so join us as we praise him. said there'd be no pain 
last song borrows directly from Psalm 23, where it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The songs that we sing aren't just songs to make us feel good. They're reminders from God. Reminders that no matter what you're going through, He is always there. He's always present and always protecting you, bringing us to our own place of freedom. There's a calm that covers me. to 
Darkness ran 
You know, when we started our church a long time ago now, uh, there was just a handful of us. And when it came to the Sunday morning preaching, if you will, the, the, the teaching pastor, I was it. <laughs> there wasn't anybody else. And along the way, I realized that, you know, it's good for the church to hear some other voices. Plus, um, it's good for uh, those people who are gifted in this skill to also be given an opportunity to develop their skills. So. Uh, as you know, Angie Frame has become a really potent communicator here, a really powerful teaching pastor. Brian Pope and now Elijah Shirelli is a part of our teaching team. And those three people with me make up what we call the teaching team. And they're the regular voices you see and hear uh, in our weekend experiences, teaching the Bible, helping us find practical truth. But along the way, in the last you know few years, one of the things that we looked at was how are we investing in uh, younger talent? And you've seen Ellis Hobson a couple of times now, and he has really got some skill, and he's becoming a, a potent communicator. Today, I'd like to introduce to you the next young talent that, that we see, and I'm really excited about this because Tanner Iglio grew up in our church, essentially. He's been here a long time. He's really us, and he's coachable, and he's allowed us to pour into him. And today, for the very first time, he is the teaching pastor here at PCC. So I'm asking you to give a very warm welcome to Tanner Iglio. 
I am really grateful to be here and to be a part of what PCC is doing in this season because this church has blessed my life in so many ways. One of the most obvious is that this is where I met my wife, Molly. We've both spent a large portion of our lives here at this point, and it's where we've learned to follow Jesus well as individuals and now as a couple. And now we get to serve and lead together, and God just continues to shape me through that relationship more than any other. It's been an incredible experience. A little over three years ago now, she and I danced for the first time as husband and wife with many of the people who helped make us who we are from this church supporting us. Every romantic comedy cliche in the book was coming true for me at this moment. And I know plenty of them because I'm going to be honest with you guys about something here. Please don't judge me. But I love a good rom-com. I'm sorry. It's just true. It's part of who I am. So if you've seen a rom-com, you might recognize lines like this. It felt like time was standing still. And even though we were surrounded by friends and family, it felt like we were the only two people in the world. But honestly, I was here, I was staring into the eyes of a beautiful woman who was and still is my best friend, and I was feeling nothing but pure joy. But my goodness, not every part of our wedding was like that. I mean, the whole thing, the whole process of marriage, it starts with one of the most nerve-wracking moments of your entire life, the proposal. Even if you don't agree with me about how great rom-coms are, if you're married and you were the one that popped the question, you know that it will have you sweating. And mine was simple, but I knew that it would be special for her. I prepared this well-crafted mini speech. I was going to deliver it in the entryway of the house that I had just bought for us only four days earlier. And the whole idea was built on a metaphor about the house being where we would build our lives together. It was going to be awesome. So we opened the front door and the room was decorated with flower petals and Christmas lights and there were little candles everywhere and our parents were there to surprise her and to celebrate with us. And they ended up being audience to me looking deeply into Molly's eyes and completely blanking on everything that I was going to say. I mean, I prepared for this and I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that she was going to say yes, but in the moment I completely froze up and she would be the first to tell you that I am rarely at a loss for words. But there I was, standing there, I had my hand on her arm, and I was just stuttering. Here we are, in this house, explaining to her the setting of where we were like she couldn't see it. So finally, I just got down on my knee after I was done, and I just said, will you marry me? And of course, you've seen the photo, so you know that she did say yes. But immediately, I mean immediately after the excitement wore off and we were done hugging and jumping together, we were looking up venues and writing up guest lists. Then we had to find a caterer. That's a lot of money. And what about centerpieces? We got to build those. And that is a skill that I do not possess. And you're telling me that a honeymoon is going to cost us what? Right at the start of us being married? And somebody please explain to me how we have to get people gifts that are guests of a party that's for us celebrating us. Who thought that party favors were a good idea? doesn't make any sense to me. But Molly, she was particularly stressed because she had to decide what dress she was going to say yes to. That's a big deal. What her bridesmaids were going to wear. And unfortunately for her, in this case, what the groom and his side of the party were going to wear because there were legitimate questions asked as to the possibility of me wearing gym shorts. If you've ever been a part of wedding planning before, you know that it's easy to lose some of that early excitement and even the joy of what you're really actually doing it all for. It can just become exhausting. And that exact thing is often true of our spiritual lives as well. 
I mean, we call the story of Jesus the gospel, and that word means good news. And Jesus is good news, but it's easy to lose sight of all that. If you've been following Jesus for a while now, it is okay to admit that there have been times when the circumstances in your life have made it easy for you to forget how excited and how fulfilled you felt when you finally decided to give your life to Jesus. And there are others among us who aren't even sure about Jesus yet, but are here because they need some joy and good news. And they thought that the church might be the answer. But whether you're established in your faith or not, we can all agree that we are exhausted. If you just look at the past couple years, you've probably lost somebody that's close to you and it might still hurt. You've experienced a fractured relationship because we're all struggling to find unity. You've witnessed national tragedies and an international pandemic. And all of this has led you to think, especially if you've been here during our On the Water series, that we've been talking about water for weeks now. And it's supposed to be cleansing and sustaining and refreshing, but I have nothing left to give. I just need to be restored. And when I look around me, I see that the world needs to be restored. And unfortunately, this is not a new phenomenon for people because history has given us plenty of examples across the world of times of relative prosperity and times of hardship. Even the Israelites, who you may know as the Jews or the Hebrews from your Bible, were a group that God had labeled himself as his chosen people, and they experienced these swings. So by the time Jesus comes around in the Gospels at the start of the New Testament, the Israelites were in the middle of one of their times of hardship because they weren't a free people. They were a conquered part of the Roman Empire in its heyday. They were still allowed to practice their own religion, but Honestly, that came with a cost, both literally and figuratively. Because under Roman rule, the Jewish people would be expected to pay hefty taxes, meaning that the average person either lived below or barely at the poverty line. The Israelites who escaped that reality mostly did so through corrupt political systems or being a part of the religious elite. And both of those things, unfortunately, often took advantage of their own people. So that's the state of the world as Jesus and his followers approached Jerusalem, which was the hub of Jewish culture in John chapter seven. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of public view. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and they kept asking if anybody had seen him, but there was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some argued he's a good man, but others said he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But nobody had the courage to speak favorably about him in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. Then midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. So Jesus, he goes to this festival. And I think you guys probably have an idea of what a festival looks like in your mind. But around here in Powhatan, where I'm from, we have this thing every fall that we call the Festival of the Grape. So everybody that heard that in this room, when I talked about festival, immediately started thinking, the wine festival, yeah! And people are back there, chest bumping. They get really excited. And I'm just left standing here thinking, guys, here's my schedule. And yes, I can fit you in for pastoral care. I'm here. And of course, I'm just kidding. But what I picture here is Jesus walking around discreetly as is described because there were people there that wanted him killed, those leaders. 
So I can see him with a cloak over his head and he's walking through the tents and he's picking up some wares that are being sold and he's setting them back down. And then he bends down to pick something up and he hands it back to the person that dropped it with a smile. A ball rolls to his feet that a kid lost, so he throws it back to him. But whatever you see, Jesus is simply among the people, his people. And he can hear people rejoicing, talking about a new marriage in their family. He sees close friends embrace as they share with each other that a new baby is on the way. But then amongst all of this joy, he can hear the cry of a child who lost their parent in the crowd. He looks over and sees the bags under the eyes of a wrinkled, overworked face. He sees the cracked lips of a dehydrated person who has no bed of their own to sleep in. And finally, he sees a father just begging for any food because he can't feed his family after his fisherman wages were overtaxed by a fellow Israelite. Jesus is among his people and he can hear their cries of anguish. Cries of unfulfilled, broken lives in a broken world. So he just can't help himself because as people hurt, Jesus hurts. He knows that they are exhausted and he wants to restore them and the world around them. So he starts teaching in the temple because he desperately wants people to know God. He wants them to follow him wholeheartedly and he's trying to tell them how to do it. But they can't see it. They fight back and they argue and they even tell him Jesus Christ and they don't know this yet, but he's the son of God. They tell him that he's demon possessed. And you can read all of that in the book of John and I encourage you to, but all of those interactions go on for days. And finally, Jesus says something. In fact, he stands and he shouts something that he knows that everybody there can relate to. Whether you were Jewish in first century Judea or you're hearing it from my voice right now. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow from his heart. This language was fitting for this moment. Jesus was talking to a crowd that was at a festival built around the idea that God provides for them, but they were all still so thirsty as Jesus describes it. They were desperate to be given life and Jesus speaking of the spirit of God as a river of living water in him was telling them exactly how to get it. He was saying that he was the source of true life that God had promised them. He was the key to the restoration for each person there and the whole world around them. Jesus knows that people are still thirsty today too. And though thousands of years separate us from them, the remedy remains the same. It's a relationship with God that refreshes us. And a relationship with God is truly knowing him, being connected to our source of living water. And that means a back and forth. So if you feel broken and lifeless right now, and you don't know Jesus, I encourage you to draw close to him and allow him to pour into your life because God can move in your life. If you're just hanging around the fringes of faith, but you won't truly understand his ability to restore and empower you unless you give everything that you have to him. You don't have to be perfect. 
or understand everything before you do it because in fact, the opposite is true. Jesus tells us that anyone who is thirsty may come to me. He's not gonna force you. You have to make the choice to fully commit, but it's the right choice. Some of you have done that. You feel like you've been following Jesus, but you still feel broken and lifeless right now. And it's important that you know that sustained life and a quenched thirst, it never meant that we would have zero problems. It never meant that we would instantly stop feeling pain or that we would never be in situations where we would be grieving. It never meant there wouldn't be sickness or unexplainable, infuriating evil in our lives. But what it does mean is hope in situations that seem devoid of it. It means a purpose, a direction, an anchor. When we're being battered in the storm, it means the joy of provision in hard times. And it means unexplainable peace despite overwhelming circumstances. That is a truth that I've built my life on because I have experienced it. The picture that I showed you guys earlier from my wedding day, it was obviously part of a huge celebration, one that I'll never forget. But prior to that though, my own brokenness combined with the brokenness of others, it had brought me to the darkest period of my life to date. There were countless days when I was feeling only what I can describe as distraught. I was completely and utterly hopeless, except for one thing, and that was God's presence in my life. I was working on my own stuff internally with wise counsel and support from people who love me, but I knew that I couldn't do just that alone. So I would wake up and I would pray every single day, God, I don't know what to do. The only direction I have is to follow where you lead me. And I pray that you fix what's happening because I know that you're capable of miracles. I know that. But in the meantime, all that I can do is cling to you. And please just give me a peace that surpasses my understanding. And when it's all said and done, your will be done in my life. And oftentimes I would lay down to go to sleep after I had struggled through a day and nothing would have changed on the surface. But I would think back and I would realize that I could not remember any of the pain of that day and there was plenty of it to go around. And a calm would wash over me. You might call it a peace that surpassed my understanding. Circumstances that I had helped create in my life were dragging me down and still God was reaching through the darkness. He was right there and I was thirsty for restoration. So I came to him fully open 100% because I believed that rivers of living water would flow from him into my life. So I asked God to shape me into who he wanted me to be and he delivered because he is faithful. And I finally had been, even just a little bit. That kind of openness and surrender to God, it cannot be a one-time thing. It took three years for me to finally come out on the other side of that period of my life. Three years of praying. Because a consistent connection with God that includes a back and forth relationship is vital for us. 
Just as we need to drink water to survive daily, we need to allow God to pour into us daily. And there's really nothing quite like experiencing Jesus fully in control of your life. Around PCC, we believe that if there's simply an opportunity for God to meet someone where they are in a way that's personal to them, they will be changed because we know that Jesus restores us. His love is like nothing else that you will ever experience. We've seen that truth come to fruition in countless real lives at our church, including my own, only because of the grace of God. And we see it in story after story in the Bible of physical and spiritual healing as people come to know Jesus and draw close to him. And we see it happen at the festival that he's teaching at. And these are all different people, but it's the same God and he's using the same power. So after Jesus stands and declares that anyone who is thirsty may come to him, all the people around, they get riled up. And there's debate in the crowd about who Jesus really is because everybody knows that God has promised somebody from the scripture who was going to come and change everything. And they know that when God makes a promise, he delivers. Jesus kind of has a track record at this point of changing lives and doing miraculous things. So the religious leaders, they're concerned about the rising tension and possible overturn of power here. So they call the temple guards in to arrest Jesus but the guards don't do that. When the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? We've never heard anyone speak like this. The guards responded. The guards answer to the priests here. It sticks out to me and it's kind of funny, honestly, because these guards they don't have any loyalty to anyone other than the religious leaders that pay their salaries and had given them the command to arrest Jesus. They do not care who Jesus is. But when they meet him, all they have to say is, we've never heard anyone speak like this. It's simple, but it's absolute and it's final. This guy, Jesus, is just different. And they're blown away because of the power with which Jesus speaks. It's evidence. It's right here in this conversation that the river Jesus spoke of, the spirit of God, it was tangible and they could feel it all around them. But I'll admit, sometimes I think to myself and I read stories like this in the Bible, even though I've been devoted to following Jesus for years now, that of course People were impacted when they talked to Jesus in person. He was that kind of guy. He was Jesus. Even the religious leaders that hated him, they knew that there was more to him. And honestly, that's mostly why they hated him, even though they never would have admitted that to anybody. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave the people who are here today? Because our world is still just as broken as the one back then, but Jesus isn't here in the flesh anymore. And that may be true. But the spirit, the river of living water, it is still flowing. And it's still coming from the same source too. It's a God that loves us. The God that wants to see us fulfilled. But the responsibility of getting people to the source, it no longer just rests on Jesus' shoulders alone. Because Jesus restores us. And through us, Jesus restores the world. 
When you have an established relationship with God, like we've talked about, he restores you daily, but he also calls you daily to love and restore other people. Our world is partially as broken as it is right now because we, the people who follow Jesus, have forgotten what it means to pour living water into it. And instead, we've built up walls like this. This is the Hoover Dam. It's over 1,200 feet across and it's over 700 feet tall. It created a reservoir on one side and a valley on the other. At a controlled rate, water is let through to power cities all around the area, and that is its main function. But in order to do that, it also impedes a portion of the Colorado River. And in case you didn't know, that is the river that formed the Grand Canyon. So for almost 100 years now, that one structure, it's incredible to me, it's been holding back a force capable of forming a natural wonder of the world. But for thousands of years now, Christ followers have done an even better job of holding back a force capable of forming a whole new world entirely. A world that's built on love, that's fully sustained by God. Brick by brick, we've built these barriers that only allow a trickle of living water to seep through them. And it's just enough for people on the outside to think that they know what Jesus is all about. But really that water, it's, it's trickling through bricks that we've created that are labeled judgment and bias, hypocrisy, greed, Democrat, Republican, addiction, favoritism, selfishness, ego, pursuit of our own status. And regardless of what your vice is, and I have plenty of my own that I wrestle with daily. We take this love that we receive and we keep it way over there where we control it. And what's left is a valley of emptiness and death on the other side. Nowadays, when I look around and I listen to what people outside of the church have to say about the church, I see a lot of skepticism. I see fear and anger and any number of other negative opinions. And that really hit home for me when I had a conversation at a part-time job that I was working a few years ago. I had just met somebody who considered himself to be on the fringes of a few different communities, but he didn't really feel like he belonged to any of them. And he admitted to me that he had a deep desire to be cared for and loved, and he didn't feel like that existed anywhere for him. So when he told me that, I thought to myself, perfect, I'm a pastor. This is where the church comes in. I mean, this exact situation is what Jesus built all of this for. So I asked him if he went to church. And he paused and he kind of chuckled. And he said, I wouldn't even bother trying. And disturbed but not surprised, I asked him what his vision of this church would be that he was going to be walking into. And he vividly described not a vision, but multiple painful past real experiences of conversations where he had gone to church and then had been asked not to attend anymore the moment that he was vulnerable with anybody about his shortcomings. Anytime he talked to anybody who claimed to have built their life around Jesus now, 
He just waited for them to find a spot to bail out of the conversation because he felt like everybody viewed him as a lost cause. So he looked at me with a pained grin when he was done and he said, you can bail now if you want. Once he was done talking and he had said that, I looked at him and I said, man, before Jesus, you didn't know me, but I was a lost cause. And without Jesus, I'm telling you that our entire world is a lost cause. But now my life is built on his promise of love and he's the catalyst for everything that I do. And I have never been the same. My friend, that can be true of your life as well. I truly believe that many of the people who shaped this guy's view of the church and more importantly, who Jesus is, thought that they were doing the right thing. They were, thinking, they were thinking something like, this guy is really struggling and he's sinning and I need to help my brother out of this hole by pointing out everything that he's doing wrong so that he can change it. And they say something like, hey, have you tried cutting your hand off or gouging out your eye? You should try that and then come back because that's what Jesus said to do. But there's an important step that's missing in that line of thinking. Jesus knew people. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago with the woman at the well. He knew people's hearts. He knew their struggles. He knew everything about them before he even crossed paths with them. And this is super important. Jesus also had the power to save them. Multiple times in the Bible, we see him heal people simply by saying, your sins are forgiven. And then somebody who was paralyzed for their entire life gets up and walks away. So if we want to truly help people change the way they live, we have to change the way that we approach them. Somebody, they will allow you to speak into their life if you just take the time to listen to them first. When somebody feels that you truly know them and that you actually care about what's in their best interest, they will ask you how your life is so different. How do you have so much peace and hope? How do you love so genuinely in this broken world? And then you can answer them like the guards did to the priests. Jesus is just different. He has loved me and changed me and he can do the same for you. We don't need to speak words of condemnation. We don't need to exclude people because of where they've been or what they've done. And this is important We don't need to exclude them for what sin they are currently committing. We need to show them who Jesus really is. He's the king of peace. He's full of grace. He's a friend to tax collectors and prostitutes and adulterers, whatever it is, you name it. And Jesus, he got so close to broken people, not because he wanted to condone their behavior, but because he knew that a relationship with him was the only way that they could truly be made whole and to know fulfillment. We have to know that too. Jesus is the only way that we can be free. And he's the only way that we can really free people. The only way is by getting them closer to him. And you, right where you are, you can start doing that today from anywhere. You don't have to be teaching on a platform You don't have to have a YouTube channel. You don't have to have a million followers on Instagram. 
who you are right now. You can change lives by loving people one person at a time. Your life may be the first representation of who Jesus is that someone ever sees. Guys, Jesus restores us and through us, Jesus can restore the world, but only when we act as rivers of living water. God will continually refresh us if we stay connected to the source. If we know God in an intimate relationship, he will provide for us. And it might not be on our timelines or in the way that we think it should be, but he is faithful to deliver. We can build our lives on his promises and his hope. And once we have done that, he will give us the opportunity to be a part of restoring the people around us by leading them to Jesus. Oftentimes we don't get that part right because we forget what this is really all about. God's plan to restore the world, it began and it ended with what Jesus did. He is all that we need, but we can pollute the waters with what we think and what we want. And if we continue to represent Jesus as something he is not, we will do serious damage. We'll end up adding so many bricks to our walls that eventually nothing will get through. So instead, as Jesus fills you, break down the walls that we've all collectively built for so long and push back the darkness that feels like it's all around us so that others can see who Jesus truly is, so that they can see his glory and his power. Get rid of your anger, get rid of your hate, drop the hurtful words and leave your judgment behind. Offer forgiveness. Be the first to say that you were wrong and that you're sorry. Be humble, be kind. Be a representative of his love and grace in everything that you do. Represent the restoration that you've received in his name and let his spirit and life, this living water that he's given to you, flood into the world around you. Break down the walls, push back the dark, light of the world, move in our hearts. There's a stirring in the spirit, heaven, something holy, can you feel it, heaven? Let your glory and your power, let your majesty and work flood the earth, flood the earth. Let the rulers of your kingdom, let your name without reserve flood the earth, flood the earth. Freedom is Darkness 
the earth with the living water of Jesus. He wants to restore to the world and he wants to do it through us. This week, let the hope and the truth of Jesus flow through you and be the good news to everyone you meet. Have a great weekend and we'll see you back next week.
waist, open your heart, don't be afraid, jump on in, the water is fine, it's healing in the river of life, calm as you are, no time to waste, open your heart, don't be afraid, jump on in, the water is fine, it's healing in the river of life. Brother, sisters, come on down to that river, guaranteed you'll never be the same. Stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping out, stepping out, stepping out. I'm stepping out, stepping out, stepping out. Yeah.